everyone, welcome to Book Forsations. We're your hosts, Syed. And I'm Mahmouda. Join us as we have conversations inspired by books. This episode's conversation is inspired by Paul Kalanithi's When Breath Becomes Air. What's the book about? So it's basically a memoir written by Paul before he dies and he didn't get to finish it. But even though the book is incomplete, it's beautiful. Anyways, at the back it says, at the age of 36, on the verge of completing a decade's training as a neurosurgeon, which is really sad. Paul was diagnosed with inoperable lung cancer. And one day it was a doctor treating the dying. The next it was a patient struggling to live. It's really sad. I think what I loved about this book was the insights that it gave us into neurosurgery. Yeah. Neurosurgery and like the way you don't think about the brain, but this little mm, tiny brain in your head, exactly. the details. It does a lot of things. From language to like being paralyzed yeah. to not being able to communicate. It's so weird. I think it's kind of like ironic that he's a neurosurgeon and then he gets the cancer that he can't even operate on. Like that's you spend true. your entire life working in a certain field and that's the illness that kills you. That's literally Imagine. what a like turnaround. Full circle. What else did you love about the book? Oh my God. He's an amazing writer. Definitely. I mean, I guess he studied English literature. Yeah. Right? But then it doesn't read like just a book. Because I remember the first time I read this, mm-hmm. right, and I finished it, I came across another book in the library by some guy called Henry Marsh, I think. I think I, I don't know if I have it here. I gave it out to charity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do no harm. Yeah, that's it. So I read that book. I didn't mm. finish it because it wasn't really? the same. I've heard people say that do no harm is better than when breath becomes air. Because maybe because of the fact that the guy is obviously eighty something. Okay. He's really old and he's been working in A and E for years. Yeah, right? it might be better than mm. in the sense of content. I'm so like, come on, this book is not even finished. Come on, let's give him some credit. Yeah, when yeah. he's only thirty five years old as well, or at, at the time of writing, or thirty six as well. So. Mm-hmm. That's something to take into consideration. The content of that was good, but the writing style—I think because this guy was a writer, there's yeah. a way he writes. Yeah. That I was like, this is totally for me. But that's thing, like, this is his first book. When you think about it, he was talented enough to be a neurosurgeon. Imagine. But then, if he had lived longer, it was, who knew he could have written way? I'm more sure he would have written a lot more, exactly. especially because he really wanted to write. Yeah. Remember? and it wasn't until he was dying that I was like, okay, let's do this. Exactly. Right. But his first book, and it's literally a bestseller for life. Yeah. Like, it really people is. are still buying it. Every time I walk to the bookshop, it's there. Yeah. So I think that it's a gem. I mean, I couldn't finish Henry Match. Maybe I should give it another go. But I think exactly. maybe because this was still fresh in my head and I was just mm. thinking about the writing style. Yeah. I was like, oh God, it's not It's same. just very accessible. Like, I think you could have made it super complicated, but it's not. It's, it's not. just literally... But like, you never know how he drops gems from read. other books. And I yeah. like the way he like he interlinks other literature. Exactly. So it's not just oh, all about medicine. No, it's exactly. about literature. It's about other books that yeah. he reads. Like, he even quotes poetry, poetry as well. So I think it's just the the merging of all of that the bible he does it quotes yeah. the bible but that's because reading influenced his life a lot a like big, he was, was a big part of his life I like the way his mum raised them yeah exactly so I guess that was so that's part of why he's writing and he didn't clear I guess so yeah. that's why his writing is very nice and it flows what else and he's a very reflective insightful person mm. I think if somebody if you want to live a more reflective insightful life read this book because the way he thinks about certain things I'm like not everyone's people's minds Deep don't work question. like this at all Deep I'm telling you question. he asks very important questions I think that's what I loved about his university experience as uh-huh. well, which he shares in the book is the fact that even before he went to uni he already had questions mm. so he was already intelligent and I think that obviously contributes to how it was how he was raised plus the kind of people I guess he hung around because I remember his girlfriend gave him that book, what book? The Devil something something oh, I can't remember yeah. it was he had always had this thought about something and his girlfriend came and she said oh you're always reading this book take this book and go and read it or something and mm-hmm. oh yeah it's called Satan his psychotherapy and cure by the unfortunate Dr. Kaysa. but then didn't he say he wouldn't recommend for other people to read it or no uh, he said book? the book I took it and read it in a day it wasn't high culture however it made it did make the throwaway assumption that the mind was simply the operation of the brain and it was the idea that was the idea that startled his naive understanding mm. of the world so he said that was what made him like start to question other things that of course it must be true why is our brain not doing what our brain what is our brain doing we have free will but we also we are also biological organisms and yeah all that stuff. so he said the book made him think okay and it was in that night after reading that book that he opened his stanford course catalog and decided to add biology and neuroscience wow. to all his literature courses exactly. that he had chosen so it was a book that made him more like exactly and biology so clearly books wow. and the people I'm growing, I guess, exactly. had an impact on his life and one thing I loved about the book is that even though 
it was only 35 and yeah. it's a very full life and it, the book also made me already me i've already since i was young loved the usa's university system i don't mm-hmm. know i've been obsessed with it it just makes more sense time. i'm sorry i feel like and for me it also makes it does it's it so does reductive. it does because you're not like forced to choose narrow down one degree or oh, i'm only doing chemical engineering exactly. I mean, you can do like chemical engineering and business for like the options are limited it's for very example, limited. My chemical engineering and business or chemical engineering and energy for example i did arabic right but then mm-hmm. that's it one arabic module then my other modules are chemical yeah. engineering and you're not even allowed to choose the majority of your modules exactly. it's all compulsion compulsion modules so i feel like that's not fair what i like about the american university experience is that you're going to uni for four years and your first year before you choose or specialize in your major mm. you're exploring you're testing the waters exactly. so i could do like psychology biology and english literature yep. and creative writing and that would not be weird it because so much more sense it, but then for me, it's the same because uh, I feel like A level doesn't give you insight into what you're doing it at definitely uni at does all. Not. And you might think you're going to uni for something where you yeah. get there and it's a totally different exactly. thing to what you expect. But then true. if you had the opportunity to be testing the waters in first year, yeah. then by second year, you would know, for example, that okay, this is definitely not for me, that's definitely not for me, this is what I want to do, this is the major I definitely want to follow, so I now yeah. need to work towards it. Exactly. And I can even graduate with a major in neuroscience and a minor in English literature, or a major in, I don't know, chemical engineering and a minor in, I don't know, creative writing yeah. like, it's, it's so, so diverse yeah it is and that's what I love about it it allows you to explore it, it doesn't make you narrow minded it allows you, you to become more of a multi-potential like, because I feel like a lot of people have tendencies to be multi-potential mm. like, but the way education system here works is it makes you think you're only good at one thing exactly and you only stick to that you one thing that you're good, good at one thing so whereas we have so many you know I was watching all I think Usain Bolt is going to go into football now really yeah that's from sick. athletics into football that's good but it's true like people have so many different talents they don't I'm telling get the time you. To explore. You know what? I was watching in Danny Rue yesterday. Yeah. Even though I don't agree with some of the things that were said okay. in that episode, <laughs> there was one comment, one definition I like when the girl they asked the girls to define what success is, and mm. she was like, "For her, success would be if she had used all the talents that God has blessed mm. her with." And that's true. It's recognizing that you're blessed with so many different skills, true. and being able to put that to use to make a difference. Yeah. She was like, "That's what would be success for her, mm. basically." So I liked that. It's quite a nice. Anyways, what did you like nice about it? Session. You liked like a lot of stuff. Yeah, but I feel like you've covered most of it. No, I, feel- I think it was just inspiring to read about how he was just someone who answered questions and he just went wherever like the answers to those questions had. You. So like you'd ask us oh. about what does it mean to live a meaningful and just follow the path. Literally. And he wasn't afraid literally. to make changes At when all. he needed to. Like was like when his friends were graduating, for example. Yeah. He didn't graduate with them exactly. because he knew that he wanted to ask ask more of these questions. Yeah. It was a weird focus but not focused and at the same time. very independent thinker. Like that about. Him. Exactly. Proactive. Oh, he was a great human being. He was not a great, great human being. being. Exactly, but he was a great human being. Great human being. He had a lot of good things to say about him. I think all. Yeah, exactly. You touched on the storytelling, like so many different that stories about like his um experiences in the hospital. And it, that was, was I Like with his colleagues, with that his patients. Very, that was very. Especially Those were so good to read about because you don't get. And then the moral decisions you have to make as yeah. Should you make someone live or die? About... Like, I don't think that deeply about it, but exactly. I remember the first time I read this book, I was yeah. like, this is crazy. It's actually insane. I really want to go into this field of... I remember I told you that this was a book that made me, like... Because I already knew honestly psychology, but mm. I remember finishing this book and I was like, I definitely want to do psychology. Mm. Like, this is... It was very interesting how the brain, the mind, and the intersection. Oh, this is what I liked about it. it was asking the question of intersectionality because mm. we're not like what's the word? We're not all separate. Everything about us is intertwined in it some way. Yeah. And I guess we need to find out. Or oh, I don't know. Try to find out what that way is. Yeah. Or it is. But it is quite interesting. And it's Karen. So yeah, I'm really glad that he decided to write it. Because imagine like if he had such a if he hadn't. Okay, no, I don't want to call it defeatist attitude. But if he was like when he was diagnosed with cancer, because he'd always wanted to write. It was something that he always wanted mm-hmm. to do. He was just putting it until like when, when he had more time. time. Well, when he had and so if he was like, oh, I'm going to die anyway, what's the point of not writing right story? And, and I would have understood it. That's mm-hmm. why I don't want to use the word defeatist because I would have understood like if you have 24 months to book. live, sometimes the last thing in your mind is I'm going to write a book. But then you're because, not the one it, because of the kind of person he had been from the beginning, yeah. you could tell that that was the kind of attitude he would have. Exactly. It was consistent in like wanting to make a difference. For him, it was like, I'm not dead yet, so I'm living, so I must be doing what's important. I have to do what's important. Man, he was in. He was working full time as a neurosurgeon, and then he also wrote a book. I'm telling you, that is another level of goals. Nah, he's amazing. <laughs> it's a very inspiring book. It is. For from Stanford sure. to Cambridge to Yale, he's very intelligent. Yeah, and it's not a book that's too long either. At all. It's so, actually quite short. What, 223 pages? Yeah. And the font is actually... It's quite big. Big. So if it was a smaller font, it'd probably yeah, be, it would have been less than 200 exactly. pages. It's not a big book. You can read it in one day. 
shorter. But if I guess no, yeah, no, no give, give, yeah, but <laughs> give it more than one day though, so you can internalize. Because sometimes yeah. you'd read and you'd want to. Pause. I don't think this is a book that you'd want to rush. At all. Like you'd want to close it, just absorb it. You'd want then... to pause and take in like some of the questions. I'm so glad yeah. I read it a second time. Yeah, I feel like I'll probably read it again mm. because I like all these questions about death, just which is what I was trying to get answers for death. Yeah. Literally, definitely read it more than once. I think it's a must read. Same. Um, cool. Mm. Let's go oh, on gosh. to our quotes to discuss. So I'm going to read this one. It's actually quite long. So it's... The problem, however, eventually became evident. To make science the arbiter of metaphysics is to banish not only God from the world, but also love, hate, meaning... To consider a world that is self-evidently not the world we live in. That's not to say that if you believe in meaning, you must also believe in God. It is to say, though, that if you believe that science provides no basis for God, then you're almost obligated to conclude that science provides no basis for meaning and therefore life itself doesn't have any. In other words, existential claims have no weight. All knowledge is scientific knowledge. Yes, the paradox is that scientific methodology mm-hmm. is a product of human hands and thus cannot reach some permanent truth. Remember when I read that, I was yeah, like, whoa. That is we use scientific theories to organise and manipulate the world to reduce phenomena into manageable units. Science is based on reproducibility and manufactured objectivity. As strong as, as that makes its ability to generate claims about matter and energy, it also makes mm-hmm. scientific knowledge inapplicable to the existential, visceral nature of hu- human life, which is unique and subjective and unpredictable. Science may provide the most useful way to organise empirical reproducible data, but its power to do so is predicated on its inability to grasp the most central aspects of human life hope fear love hate beauty envy honor weakness striving suffering and virtue nice that is quite yeah this guy when i read that paragraph i'll never forget i was like this guy's mind this is what people need to i feel like we need to read this yeah even if it's just for this section of the book uh-huh so re- because people are trying to, a lot of people are trying to communicate this i know because mm. the people will be like i oh, know without there's no religion where there's science so there's no science the why do they have to be mutually exclusive yeah like they can work together yeah and i love the fact that he pointed out that science doesn't explain some of these things because if you're saying science explains what's tangible you cannot really love is not like a physical thing exactly. that you can like see or feel yeah and that's why when people argue that oh god doesn't ex- um god doesn't exist because i can't see him i don't think that's a valid argument yep. i don't even have a, i can't even have a conversation with you if, if that's the reason why you believe that god doesn't exist the fact that you can't see him because you can't see love but love exists and so many other things like that in it's my true. opinion so when you if that's the argument then i'm just like no you can have this conversation yeah oh my god i've forgotten like the first thing in my philosophy class that we ever did I think it was like I was sitting. We were all sitting there in a chair, and she was talking about how like the word "on." Yeah, she was like, "You can't see the word on" or something. It was so like a philosophy is so interesting because it makes you think about things like this about this whole idea mm-hmm. that if you can't see something, then it doesn't exist. But like, just because you can't see something doesn't, doesn't mean, mean that it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. my god, I need to revisit. Doesn't mean section. you know what I was in philosophy I'm section in Wilson yesterday. Yeah. Oh god, section. philosophy is so interesting. That's why I thought a lot of people tend to think that if you study philosophy, you become atheist. That's what people think. Which I don't know why they think that though. <laughs> Because people, I think it's because people are afraid. They're yeah. afraid that because they don't know the meaning and the reason behind why they do this thing, when you question them too much, then they would not actually know. They realize they don't know the purpose. Oh. That's such a good. I think it's just being afraid. But for me, I feel like the doing. question is what leads you to find answers. Sometimes, like you have to have uh, what's the word I'm trying to for motivation. Yeah, because I'm, I'm like between you like asking questions or not asking questions. It's obviously better to ask questions. Of course, yes. So that you can like develop more refined answers as to mm-hmm. why you believe in something rather than just like just. Taking yeah, everything take else see exactly, and exactly. Actually, no. I feel like that's an assumption most people make about religious people that we don't question. I know. Like you just, oh, that's the word dogma, and I like people use that word so much in philosophy. It's like religion is a dogma. It's a dogmatic belief. So you don't question. It's just hand down, like it's pass it down. That's which thing. is part that's of why people think you can't be religious and be someone that believes in science as well. But then that's a problem. That's problematic. It's problematic. You know, I'm really, really looking forward. I hope I go to uni next year because I really love, like, I love learning. I love yeah, studying exactly. so much. I can stay uni for the rest of my life. I uh-huh. love like yeah. being able to go to classes and I talk about important things. I think that last sentence about like science can't explain the subjective aspects of life that we value. I love like that science part can't so explain much. beauty. Like why you At find all. something beautiful because different people find different. Beautiful. It's like you can explain mm-hmm. it on a neurological level, well, but the actual it, emotion though. of it—that's part of it. yeah. Oh my god! I think we're gonna go on later to talk about language, yeah, but that's are. part of like the you miracle are. of God. You know, when I read language, was that, that part it reminded me of Trevor Noah's 
born a crime when yeah. you said about how with if colour is important for mm-hmm. some people but when you speak someone's language even though you're not the same colour as them you find that you connect remember we had exactly. this conversation yeah. before and just, language is such an important thing it's so it's like can you imagine if we didn't have language how would we communicate okay one thing that I wrote down that he said was so I think there's two there's two areas located in the cortex the Wernick and the Broca one of them is for understanding language and the other is for producing it oh, but I remember if that you part. damage the Broca area it results in an inability to speak or write even though you can understand language. I, I, I was thinking what would life damage like exactly that? damage to the Wernick area it results in an inability to understand language even though you can still speak but whatever you say it doesn't come out well, it makes sense, and I was listening to um, what do you call it uh, I was watching a video today with Sheikh Hamza Yusuf it's called how to read a book and he was talking about how like language is what makes our experiences meaningful That's like true. if I can't articulate what I'm saying then exactly what it is that I'm experiencing can you imagine that's just that's like a, you can't experience a life without with that language. language that's, that's like it's at the crux of everything that's and I was talking about how like it's a miracle that children even though like they haven't heard certain sentences when they're like two or three can mm-hmm. formulate mm-hmm. new sentences out it's like a, it's, it's just a, what's the word it's a it it's a a bridge language yes. actually builds bridges between people exactly it's, it's really good for breaking down barriers yeah that is a, a really beautiful, beautiful blessing yeah, the video, and one that right? we don't appreciate enough YouTube. yeah it's on YouTube it's it very out. like quite interesting it's like three hours I've only watched 30 minutes <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's useful because especially like when you're reading you want to read to understand it's a good thing you told me this because yesterday I was literally researching how yeah. to read the book exactly and I was written at that book I have by Dorothy France and Pro so yeah. called um how to read like a writer. Okay. And that wasn't giving me what I wanted. Yeah. Because it's just how to read like a writer mm. to make sure you construct obviously better sentences and all that stuff. Uh-huh. But I wanted something more and like, yeah. I finally I went on university like articles but perhaps this, this would not... be giving me the answer. This I'm is so about. fascinating because it, it talks about it from the Islamic like perspective as well and he was like That's what I was looking reading for, is so basically. central to a tradition and he like you know how we have this like, the concept in our religion of oh is it lah mafuz the tablet yeah, 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 and the yeah. pen and yeah. how like everything's written, written. Mm-hmm. and then he's all, he also said like on Yom Al-Qiyama, mm-hmm. you will be given your book for you to read, read as well so reading is, is like at the heart of our religion I have a big problem with people that don't read seriously because <laughs> I don't understand I don't understand like how do you it opens up different like experiences how for do you, you even co- oh, allows you to be empathy yeah. how can you uh, now we're talking about the benefits of reading but Pick up the book. Literally, like reading is important. It's so important. Important. Um, but also because I wanted, I said in that research because basically I was reading um, Sister Outsider, but then I was like, there are a lot of books I've read and I feel like I want to take away more from mm-hmm. them. But I don't know how. Yeah. And I was, that's what I was trying to find. I know something that would help you because it's like find some people who read and they're very like reflective as they're reading. Exactly. Like, every sentence already have like what's the word? It's deep. Question. Everything yeah. is deep for them. They already have a different question uh-huh. or a different way to yeah. interpret. And I was trying to see if there's a way to like build that, and that's uh-huh. what I was researching. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's I important then I'll, I'll watch the video. I'm really looking forward to finishing the book Let me, um, I mean to finishing the good, video that's good because it's quite fascinating he was it's talking about how like the way now, books are written now they've been dumbed down like in the past when people would write like you can't I noticed that you can't summarise he was that. like most books that are written that now you can summarise it in one sentence whereas the books of the past you couldn't even like it was hard for you to. I noticed that when I read like phrases from old books books by Imam al-Ghazali the way he writes and you're like, what? I remember what he said now. He said you can write a thousand words off of one sentence from people in the past. Yeah. Whereas you can summarise a thousand words now into one imagine. sentence. But then that's true. You it's take true. one sentence by like Imam Al-Ghazali. Somebody would, would turn this entire one sentence into a book. Into a book. So I was reading a book called yeah. Journey to God. And mm-hmm. all this man wrote was 28 steps. Yeah. And this 28 step is a book. Why? Because that one sentence, someone literally has to break it down. down. Because it's deep. And that's the power of language. That you is. can put so much like specific when you're specific with the words that you use it's very important to be specific it's that's just, what I'm trying to achieve especially mm. I think it's a very it's a beautiful gift to have in Definitely. fiction and non-fiction yeah. to be able to be concise or to convey important mm. meanings exactly okay next quote uh, putting lifestyle first is how you find a job not a calling I found that very profound we need to put this into a context because he was talking about how people like when you go into medical school how people eventually choose their career like path the, right Yeah. because then they start to consider like the hours that they have to work the mm-hmm. money that they earn which is interesting but because like, also, it's a valid thing to consider though it is it is that's I why say. I thought it yeah, is very valid, valid thing, thing about lifestyle yeah but then I liked how we he said that some of his friends that's the thing he didn't diss them he was like he yeah, understands where they're coming exactly. from but some of his friends would choose like something like I don't know cosmetology mm, or something mm. that would pay them a lot but would not require the amount of hours a neurosurgery Surgery. would require yeah. 
But then that's the thing. But I like the way you said putting life stuff is how you find a job because a calling yeah. is different. It's true. A calling is something that you believe you want to, you have to do for the rest of your life. Yeah. Something that has purpose to it. Yeah. Is what you think that you've been created to do. Mm. Whereas a job is just. I need a means to live. Exactly. And if this exactly. is the life that I, I want, then I'm definitely going for a job that definitely. pays me well enough. But then yeah. if I see it as a calling in the treat, like the way I'll treat why I call a calling mm-hmm. different from the way I'll treat yeah. the job. But I think that's important too as well. Definitely. Because if you have a calling and it's not paying you as much, what makes the work worth it is knowing that it's a calling. That's what the makes thing. the work worth it is knowing that it's your purpose. Yeah. If I feel like my purpose is to be a writer... But then somebody offers me an office job that pays me 70 times mm, more. Mm. What would stop me from going to do that job and to stick to being a writer? I'll be remembering that exactly. it's a purpose. It's exactly. a calling. Yeah. Because you know when you read about Sacrifice like, is coming the grueling, ha- like the kind of hours that he was working as a news yeah, like this is crazy. crazy. He put it's tension intense. on his marriage. Why you know? would you do this? But like for some people when they feel that like I don't want to use the word passion. Purpose. Purpose, exactly. When they feel that purpose in their work, it just drives them. them. Exactly. I was talking to someone, someone was like, I think somebody asked me about my grade at university mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I got a first. And she was like, that's surprising because you yeah. didn't even like your degree. And I was mm-hmm. like, but then that showed me that if I was then to go on to do something I was, like I really want to do exactly. something that I, I see as my purpose or whatever, it's fine. Yeah. Then even if it's hard, uh, I was still willing to put in the work because so. I know why I'm doing it. That's There's a reason it. behind it. Exactly. There's a purpose. There's a higher calling. Can you imagine? Can you there was no purpose. I was still putting in all the yeah. work and energy. But that's obviously a different part of me which mm-hmm. just doesn't like to not put in mm-hmm. effort. But yeah. still, it's different when you now know that this is your purpose. You'd that's want to true. give it your all. Yeah. Like, I so look forward to psychology. But then how do you know what's your calling, though? Because with him, I don't think there's a definitive moment that you would say that he knew that neurosurgery was, was his calling. calling. But then I feel like because he, neurosurgery kind of was the point where he started to get answers to some of the questions mm. he had. Because he, he never considered it before because his dad was a doctor, his brother was a doctor, right? His dad was a neurosurgeon, his brother was a neurosurgeon, remember? So he was like, yeah. he never thought, oh, medicine was a thing for him because you already have enough neurosurgeons and yeah, whatever in the family or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then I feel like because he had questions surrounding life and death and the brain and, and yeah, he had done literature, he had done what else did he do? The elf and public science, something. So, coming yeah. in to do neurosurgery, I feel like because he had realized that the answers he wanted is getting it from the job, the satisfaction, being able to be human, empathy because he's a very empathetical person, mm-hmm. you can tell from the way he treats people. Yeah. And then, because he had gotten that fulfillment from neurosurgery and he was willing to, knowing how hard it is, he was still willing to carry on. I think perhaps that was when he realized that this is actually what I'm meant what to I be doing, to do. or what I want yeah. to do. As opposed to, like, yeah, exactly. Because uh, you could have said, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to become a, I don't know, whatever, anything exactly. else. Exactly. But it's that and you point where you have to make... Exactly. Else. And it's at that point where you make the decision to, like, stay. Yeah. And even though it's hard and it's driving you crazy, mm-hmm. you're staying. Yeah. And you're putting in the work. It's exactly. at that point, I guess, you realise. Because obviously, some people don't find out their purpose until... Much later. Exactly. Whereas some people, they know from when they're young that this is the one thing that they that always wanted to be, kind of thing. And right. it's easier to pursue it. It reminds exactly. me of D- um, D. Van Franklin a bit. Because he knew from going to be in Hollywood he wanted to be and so he had like that laser focus and just going for it whereas for some people like Paul it's a bit of a journey over time but his journey was interesting exactly very very interesting because he was always asking questions that's the thing if he doesn't ask questions as well you can never know because you don't know what you're looking for Mm. whereas he knew what he was looking for exactly then anyway yeah take some inspiration from that I liked that quote that was a good quote so the next one is how much neurologic suffering would you let your child endure before saying that death is preferable because the brain mediates our experience of the world any neurosurgical problem forces a patient and family ideally with a doctor as a guide to answer this question what makes life meaningful enough to go and live in so that question made me pause when i read Mm -hmm. the book i thought it was a very important question i feel like this is a question that even if you're not dying or you're not going through neurosurgery whatever it's a question you need to ask yourself a few times in your life what is the purpose what adds meaning to my life because if i don't feel like my life has any meaning i could think of committing suicide that's true because what am i living for and sometimes when i first read this i thought about several things i thought about how for me anyway faith is so essential so because even if i didn't have a job purpose i would feel like i have something else i was living for because my religion teaches me that i'm 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 living for the sake of god Mm -hmm. and god has given me this thing so even if i didn't have a job i knew that the other ways i could serve the world to please god so for me that's also a way to live my life Uh in that sense yeah so there's always something for me to do that makes life worth living Living. as long as i'm living to please god like Mm -hmm. in my opinion anyway so it's like for me religion puts or faith anyways puts that meaning to life yeah and if i feel like if you're following the religion properly islam the faith properly you know that you cannot you shouldn't just live a life without meaning you're meant to do things Mm. because you're accountable for the 
time and every that lesson you that you have. That's true. So for the health you have, you're accountable for your healthy. So body. what did you do with your time? I just came across some guy who didn't have half of his body as a uh-huh. black man, but he's the 39th world best athlete or something yeah. like that in the Paralympic or something. He's working, he's working towards being a Paralympic, uh-huh. going to Paralympic um, sports for 2020. He, he has graduated. He does some other things. He doesn't yeah. have the bottom half of his body. But, but he made a conscious decision that he's not going to make excuses. Exactly. And I mean that God has given me my oh, own God. full limbs. Actually. So, because the religion teaches you that you're accountable for everything. Yeah. That you have, that you've been gifted. Yeah. Time, money, health. health, everything. Yeah. It makes you want to live a life of meaning. Meaning. Yeah. Because you're accountable for these things. Exactly. Um, but yeah. But then I wonder for people who don't believe me. Because one thing that's interesting, like, for Paul is that he didn't I don't think he had a strong belief in God until he got ill and that's then he true. writes about that process that part, of like yeah, coming true. back to but faith but then I felt like he well. believed in meaning though he yeah. didn't have a belief in God see that's well, where I wanted to drive that so is it possible to have like I definitely think it's possible yeah, to I have read meaning it in, that in point life where he said without it's religion not, there yeah, but, but it's said different it, it said that's not to say if you believe in meaning you must also believe in God yeah because I know some people don't believe in God but they, they're humanitarian so exactly but then that's because they believe in interconnection something larger yeah basically Believing believing in something bigger than yourself, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's important. Anyway. Yeah, because then if you only believe in yourself, yourself and life, then bro, your ego is oh going to God, drive you crazy. Really um, but that was just an important question. I feel that we need to ask more. What makes life meaningful enough to, to go on living? I think we should even have these conversations about loved ones sometimes because mm. it helps. Because some people are struggling. Not because they don't have faith, they don't believe in... Because life just puts you in a position sometimes where you're yeah. struggling. And if I was to bring up this conversation with you, for example, mm. and you like, you don't know, or you don't feel like your life is worth living, that's a red mm. flag. That would show you that this conversation needs to go further than It's this. true. So I think maybe once in a while we should, I don't know, perhaps Ask have for... these conversations. Yeah, I think people. a lack of hope is where you can tell, like, mm-hmm. people no longer feel like their life has meaning. Like, what's the or they point feel like living? whatever they're doing, there's no point to it. This mm. kind of conversation give you an indication. That's true. And good for the next one. But I thought it was interesting. Hold on. But I thought it was interesting okay. how like he talked about how like for a family, if for example like their child is in a coma. Oh, yeah, that one. Like, like making that make decision. decision. How do you make because decision? technically they are still alive, but they're not experiencing anything. Yeah, in a way to be alive. So then, how, like for a parent, when do you decide making that, that exactly, okay exactly? And how do you decide that their life okay. is over? Because how long would you wait for? Because some people came as they come out years yeah. later. And yeah. some people how never do. do. Exactly. So, so that's like extended that pain. Exactly. But then it's also the one of when it was like, if you did a surgery, for example, and the, the person then can no longer, is paralyzed from the top yeah. down. Do you think that there's a point? Oh. But then again, there's a man who, I can't remember what his name is. He's paralyzed from the top down. Yeah. It's only his head that's like, but he's doing the most. He has this, um, company is actually a millionaire or something yeah so it differs then, from so many people so how do you recently some guy i think his girlfriend poured acid on him wow. or something and like it paralyzed wow. him yeah like his whole body and he decided to go to another country to get assisted suicide or yeah assisted death sorry it's not suicide assisted wow. death because for him like he was in a lot of pain physically wise like uh yeah that's fair enough why would you want to live um, i guess that's yeah, the question again what makes life well. so exactly living. perhaps there's nothing it's a work. hard question it, it is yeah so for him so for him it wasn't what even that though pain. he's still alive it, but it just makes you think from the perspective of other people who are in that kind of situation mm-hmm. so i think sometimes when we talk about like suicide or mm-hmm. euthanasia you talk about from a very like people's fact distant perspective. yeah, they're distant, yeah. Themselves. They're distant themselves whereas this book makes you think about like the actual emotion of people going through that process mm-hmm. you know what God, that thing? I, was, I know i said i didn't like some of the stuff that they talked about on that in danny real one of the questions was if you knew you were dying tomorrow yeah would you feel like you've achieved success Ooh. would you be happy well, that was such a good question and one of the girls that like, I don't want to die, you'll fight death. And I was like, okay, that's very really funny because everyone would die. At some that's point. worrying. I think that's what that was a worrying perspective. Yeah, now. exactly. Because everyone would die at some point. At uh, some point. And we don't know when that point exactly. is. Exactly. And so that's why it's very important to always be aware that you could die right now. And that that's why you should obviously put in your best, do the yeah. best. Because I remember one of the people's answers was, it would be satisfied because mm-hmm. Alicia has done the best it can exactly. up until this up point. Until I thought like it was very problematic to be thinking, I'm going to fight I'll death. fight death. I don't want to die uh, now. Do you know of anyone who's who's fought death and won that's what I want to do I will live my life the way I want I'm like, that's that's why you need to start making better decisions exactly doing the best you death can, shapes you know? your priority 
It does. That's the one thing. That's what that's it what that lady said. Definitely you know? What's her priority. name? Audrey Lord in that because yeah. she was like when when she was faced with the fact that she could die. I mean, we all know against that. Yeah. But when it's you more like when like you're more aware, it sh- a lot of priorities shifted a mm-hmm. lot, and some of the things that she thought were important just became exactly. not important anymore. And she and that's what I was like. Okay, I need to start thinking of that. I need to start having that mindset a yeah. lot more when I'm like making plans. Mm-hmm. What's so important that if I was to die, I'd feel like I'd made I'd made a difference. Exactly. They'd feel like you'd want to do if you knew you were about to die. Yeah, I wrote it down. I'm gonna yeah, because sometimes you delay stuff because you think, oh, I still have yeah, time. I'll time do it later. later. Really exactly. Time. You don't know. Honestly, it's and that's why in Islam, it's like it's a, it's a concept. Gone. You have to always have death at the forefront, at the forefront of your mind. Because some people are doing the stupid stuff they're doing. Before you put that comment on someone's page and social media, I think so if I was to die right now, yeah, would I want this to be the thing that I'll be talking to God about? We wouldn't think like that when you put stupid stuff online. They don't think that I can die. Because because death seems like something that's so far away. It does. Especially when you're young, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, death is something that happens to old people. Yeah, living my best life. But no, it's not. One of my friends passed away when she was yeah. 21, so it's like... I think social media mm-hmm. especially brings it to life. Like, you know, sometimes after people are dead mm-hmm. and you go on their Insta pages and you see the messages and you're like, that person did not wake up to check their Insta today. Mm-hmm. That's so sad. Like, all the things that... yeah. But you know what I hate? And this one was saying that as well, that's a pet peeve for them. I hate when people, like, when someone dies and yeah. then people go on social media and start putting their picture up. And then... I don't like it. Really? How come? I don't like it. Because then, and they, or they start sending it through broadca- broadcasts. Oh, this person's passed away. This person's passed away. Because I just feel like it's a reminder to all of the people that knew this person. Yeah. And sometimes, some people that even know this person, they don't even know this person has died. Mm. And the way, like, people just... Like, when all those, like, blog pages just put, just put, up, put up someone's picture yeah. there, or somebody will snap a picture of someone doing like their funeral in their coffin or whatever that's disrespectful and then they put it on social media that's and I'm like, really that's, disrespectful that's, I'm it's sorry it's not in your place especially if it's like it shows their face it's like, not in why your place do that? I know. that's so I just don't like I don't like people share I mean you can share a message yeah, friend, but then when they put a picture, yeah, I don't like it. When people spread pictures of someone who passed away, I don't like it. Wait, like pictures in like of wait of the person. So I drive where you put a or oh, I don't know someone I know this person's name. Yeah, passed away. It was a good man. Uh huh. Or pray for him. Or yeah. What is this specifically about the picture? But then I just. Why must you put a face there? Because we know the person has passed it, but then I feel like that's a rem- it's an unfair reminder to those who do know, know the person. The person. Ah, because people, a lot of people do this it. thing on social media, they'll be forwarding things, all this person died. But you don't even know this person. Yeah. I'm not saying don't pray for them. Uh-huh. Pray for them yeah. in your mind, but yeah. must you continue to spread? Exactly. What if I'm I'm still grieving and then I go on someone's social media and then I see someone that shared a picture of my, of my I don't know, my spouse or mm. my, I don't know, child or whatever. Like, I just, yeah. I don't know. Oh I my God, on the I think it's insensitive death, sometimes, to be honest. I've just remembered something, like, you know, how we're talking earlier about um like the wife getting married and all that stuff like mm. this week when i was in northampton my auntie we were talking about death <laughs> she's done this janazah course twice now and we're talking about how like oh was it from her that i heard about it i can't remember where now actually where i've heard about it and we were just talking about how like no matter how much someone loves you no when you're dead it's mm-hmm. like we believe that you still you, you're still experiencing stuff you just can't communicate <laughs> that you're experiencing <laughs> it and it's that idea of like no matter how much someone loves you they're not going into that grave with you that's true you're gonna be in there and, uh, and then now i remember okay what we're talking you're like once um like the questioning sort of like begins in the grave Mm-hmm. And after, like, for the people who have passed it, mm-hmm. then there'll be s- someone in the grave with you, and it'll like be stuff like your salah, mm-hmm. your good deeds, your Quran. Yeah. So those are the things you should be investing in good That's deeds true. because that those are ultimately your That's true, true. companions. So like you can true. have companions in this world. And this is a part in value of time. Yeah. The guy was saying how when he has guests in his house, he lets them know when they've overstayed their welcome. Whoa. Because he was like how <laughs> over time it becomes idle talk. He said he doesn't believe in people that like to. See your face all the time for yeah. you to prove that you like them because it's better oh, for you to pray for people that's it. or do something good for them yeah because staying in my house every day or coming to visit doesn't me doesn't literally <laughs> doesn't prove <laughs> anything prove and it was like when two people come to one of the scholars was said one of the uh-huh. scholars when two people come to his house to visit them he always advises them to walk separate ways because what they're going to do if they go home together is spend that time Could most of the time in idle talk yeah most of the time uh-huh. unless they're obviously going to remind them as well yeah. but most of the time it's in idle talk uh-huh. and he always advised them but I love that part because I was like I'm I'm, so, I'm that person who I don't feel like I need to see you all the time. But then the people, some people I know that like they want you to come visit them, they're waiting to meet up with them. And if you haven't seen them in like two months, you're like, oh my god, I can't believe you haven't. But then for me, it's like I cannot see you in six months, and that's okay. I haven't seen you in fine. ten months, and that's okay. Like neither of us are suffering. Because in my opinion, it's not a definition of our friendship. Exactly, our friendship is more than me seeing you every. Yeah, I'm not saying I should not put in effort. Yeah. yeah, I'll check on you. That's for sure. But that's true. I don't have to message you every single day, like, or every week. 
actually that's such a good point because it, even even that whole idea of like message me every day that's just increasing idle talk because that what what are you talking about that's meaningful every single day i'm sorry mm-hmm. sometimes there are people that you will talk to every day but it's not everyone that you can do that with it's just like you're just filling up time when you should be using it for other things that are more useful it's true unfortunately okay so we're just reading the rest of the quotes because we kind of touched on yeah the conversation okay so lucy and i both felt that life wasn't about avoiding suffering striving is what defines okay i like this they have a very good mindset to like um, approach to life yeah but they both knew he was going to die but they could have just sat there wallowing and like oh my god it's gonna die and but they just carried on living i love that it's so important i love the relationship man very very his next quote uh, I had come to see language as an almost supernatural force existing between people bringing our brains shielded in centimetre thick skulls into communion a word meant something only between people and life's meaning its virtue had something to do with the depth of the relationships we form language is beautiful yeah last one I began to realise that coming in such close contact with my own mortality had changed both the nothing and everything before my cancer was diagnosed, I knew that someday I would die, but I didn't know when. After the diagnosis, I knew that someday I would die, but I didn't know when. But now I knew acutely. The problem wasn't really a scientific one. The fact of death is unsettling, yet there is no other way to live. That's so true. Because, th- again, it's, if you have death on the forefront of your mind, the kind of things you'd do, the decisions you'd make mm. would be so different. And I think that's for him. The reason why I feel like he lived a full life is because he always he thought about death a lot consciously yeah, he did. and that obviously was the basis for a lot of the decisions that he made for himself remember mm. when he had to either go to the camp or it wasn't two trips he had to choose between and he got into both yes I but do. then he chose the camp because again i feel mm-hmm. like it's because he had death on the forefront of his yeah. mind. which one would give you a more feeling more Truth, meaningful yeah. experience and he chose that camp and that was also a very beautiful yeah. experience so yeah I think it's important to just consciously continue to remind yourself of that or about that people people say oh we do that cynical but it's not it's, it's just, not it's, it's good for you it's the reality of it really is. Everyone is I think it's that. worrying that we don't want to talk about death anymore it's that afraid. we want exactly that we're more focused on escaping or wanting to escape the fact that we are bound to die because that we don't we want to confront reality but we are bound to die though. exactly like n- I literally don't know anyone oh I was reading about cloning as well and how people want to like clone to transfer consciousness it's very fascinating have you have you we'll ever watched black mirror i haven't watched black mirror okay so basically there are a few episodes you need to watch because the thing is i didn't want to watch it my uh-huh. friend told because i just feel like every tv show these days has some stupid stuff going on <laughs> but my friend who knows the kind of person i am told yeah. me some episode to watch okay and i remember one of the episodes had the dirty stuff in there yeah but you could it was like a few literally like but it yeah. contributes to the story but it fast forward mm-hmm. um, because of the fact that there was one called Black Museum mm-hmm. which is season 4 one of the episodes in season 4 I think it might have been the last episode yeah. Letitia Wright is in there oh, and I lost nice. that episode specifically because it was about the transfer of consciousness Ooh, they actually shot an episode on that because it's like a movie isn't it so uh-huh. what it shows you what happens with this you know a lot of Black Mirror episodes remind me of how People try to play God and it just goes... It just goes away. Literally, that's the word. That's what Black Mirror shows me. Can't do it. Because there's another episode called... I liked liked that one called um, The Theory of Everything. Uh So it's a point in the future. It's like, this is... Black Mirror is futuristic. Yeah. It's a point in the future where um, you can have this thing installed in your head Mm. where everything you say, do, witness, experience is recorded and you can replay it on TV isn't that like you can project it onto TV the day of the most Islamic thing like yeah, it is everything it is. you have it people is, writing right? down everything that so, you say so through this thing you need to watch this episode uh-huh. but through this thing that's how this guy because he could I think he he felt some type of way about his he goes to a job interview I thought that was a very very painful choice to make for you so why would you want to replay every single thing that's, you go through oh, he went to a job interview God, then he came back yeah. and he like he played and he's written into everything that they do oh, every body yeah. language and he it does that a lot this guy but then that's how he finds out something interesting okay. about his spouse because he forces her to replay hers as well because <sighs> you can project it onto TV yeah and like people can do that for oh let's catch up on this last time so so it's not taking pictures but it's, I can just show you, you what just happened. watch it you just play from my that's head that's insane and I'll put it on TV rewind to maybe my last birthday and it'll be on TV and everyone can watch this thing and you remember it accurately because your memory alters events as well you don't remember it the way it happens well this one you remember it accurately exactly what happened and I remember there's an episode there's one girl there in that group where she had hers removed because she feel like it doesn't make you live life mm. the way you should my favourite episode I remember is season 3 episode 1 I feel like you should watch it I think okay. I'm watching it like 4 times because I've got people <laughs> to watch it and then they're watching it next to me Yeah, but it's one that shows you 
the effects of social media. Oh, so in no. this no, because in this episode, it's we're living a life where you walk past someone. If uh-huh. everyone has this thing installed in their eyes, yeah. and if you walk past someone, their rating out of five comes up. Their rating out of five. So you want to be five out of five, but oh, it's not God. possible. Oh, so the main character, she's a four point two. So she wants to rent a house in this um area mm-hmm. but she has to be a 4.5 to get the loan that she needs to rent this house now she's trying to do all that she can to get to 4.5 but it makes her a jerk and how do you get this rating yeah that's what people I was gonna rate ask. you so i can walk past you and i like the way you are so i'd give you a five star obviously i did adds up right and there's a time she was going to get this she, a flat was cancelled there's mm-hmm. another flat open but she couldn't get on a flat why because she was a 4.189 or something and she had to be a 4.2 and they weren't rounding it up <laughs> Like, you need to watch that episode just shows you a lot about <laughs> speaking your mind I loved that episode so much so because I was like this is a life we live in yeah kind of and that one was like if people always uploaded stuff about their life so you can like see, look at someone's life quickly and try to make a conversation with them about mm. their life because you've seen everything that they yeah. posted and then like, you rate them that's how people's ratings go up mm-hmm. people were like the 4.8 4.9 like the elite people of society like the celebrities yeah. the, the world to do's and then you you're living your own life here 4.2 trying to, to be some people trying to be a 3.5 obviously the more genuine you are the more blunt you are people would not like you as life is anyway mm. so you probably write it down but then some guy some taxi driver picked her up and he could smell the fakeness in her because she was trying because she was trying to get to 4.5 okay she was desperate uh-huh. and the girl was just like you wrote it down <laughs> because it was just like I don't like your vibe <laughs> I can't believe that. But I think you should watch um, Black Mirror. It. Some episodes wow. anyway. I like these it episodes. very fascinating. They're very interesting. Very interesting. Basically. But yeah, let's yeah. go into conversation points. Okay, first conversation. Is, um, so basically the, he says that one of the early meanings of patience, after all, is one who endures hardship with complaints. I stopped I think, at that point. Same. I was like, I have to breathe. <laughs> same. Because I actually highlighted and I was like, nah. It's so good. The first thing I thought about was suburb. Because at first, you used to think, oh, suburb just means be patient yeah. and wait, right? And I remember when I first read Productive Muslim. Mm-hmm. The guy must have said myths about someone, right? Yeah. And he had to be broken. I think that was the first time I was like, oh my God, someone doesn't just mean, like, wait. It means be patient, but you're doing something. You're working towards it. Yeah, and you're not complaining. You're, okay, I'm going through this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not complaining, but I'm trying to seek solutions to my yeah. problem. That's what being patient means. Exactly. But I've never knew that. Because every time you go into something, people are like, Sober, sober. So sober, you're thinking, yeah. okay, I'm just gonna wait. Mm-hmm. But when I saw that, my life changed when yeah. I read that book. Just for some of the things that the guy just brought up, the misconceptions that we have, and yeah. I said that's it's so important because these days, even in English, when you tell someone be patient, it's like telling them, oh, or they see it as, I'll mm-hmm. oh, just wait and then don't worry, I'll come, I'll come. But then the question is, what are you waiting for? Exactly. Because if you're not doing anything and you're just waiting, then what's what are you expecting to happen? Mm-hmm. Is the question. But then I thought that was very profound. That was yeah. the, I felt like that's a pe- perfect definition. It was so good. Of patience. Yeah. Why isn't that the definition we use anymore? Exactly. that is what being patient is. It literally is. Endure hardship without complaint. It's so easy to complain. Because complaint, literally, it was the part that said without complaint. That made me like, that I was "Ah." like, oh my God. (laughs) Literally. Because it's so easy to complain about everything. And in your mind, And you still think you're being patient. patient. That's literally, literally. You still think you're even though you complain about everything, you complain like, about your situation. Now? Oh my god, why, why me? I can't believe this everything. happened. And then your money, like, well, I've been patient. Well, I've been patient. So exactly, but you've also been complaining throughout so as well. Oh, I love that. Honestly, I feel like complaining is so easy to do, which is why we all. Come on, it's like, very easy, and it's very. I think it's contagious. It. it actually if is. If you spend time with someone who complains, a lot you start complaining. I've noticed complaining that. Too. I noticed that in people. If I hang around someone who complains, yeah, I start to complain. So when I notice that someone has that trait, it's just I just separate. I love this definition, honestly. It's like one of my yeah, favorite important. aspects of this book. Patient means to endure hardship without complaining. And how much better would your life be if you don't complain? Because complaining puts you always in a negative mindset, it really always, does. and it just because affects. you forget what you have to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. If you're always complaining, that's the thing. You forget to be grateful. That's where gratitude comes in as and, well. Yeah, so true. And the second. It's quite a deep question. Is it possible to prepare for death? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I think that anything's possible to prepare for death. However, mm. I think you can try your best to ensure that your de- your death is meaningful. Mm. In the sense that you can die right Tell now. Literally, you can die right now. Yeah. But then the question is, 
if you were to die right now, have you? would you feel like you've lived your best life? Mm. And not just in the sense of having fun. Have you done what you think you're usually the best you could have done yeah. whilst you were alive? I think so. I feel like if every day you allow yourself to... if you, every, every day when you wake up, you ask yourself that question in the morning. Yeah. I mean, and before you go to bed at night. Exactly. It helps you be more conscious about the things you do. The decisions That's true. that you make. And perhaps you're not prepared you're not prepared for death when it comes but at least mm-hmm. you've done the most you can do you think yeah me. that's what i think anyway you know what's interesting because i always thought like you know that idea about i suppose it makes sense like visiting graves so that you're reminded of death or being mm-hmm. around sick people so that you're reminded of death but mm-hmm. then i also think no matter how much you are surrounded by that like paul was literally around people that are dying all the time that's true but then you just never you, you yeah. can never be fully ready like it's obviously ever, a good reminder ever but you can never be fully ready because it was just Never ever ready. But I think someone even asked the question. Oh, I think I must have read it somewhere that if you were to die today, what's the what? Oh yeah, it was Audrey Lord in that book. Uh-huh. Actually, that if you were if you knew you're dying today, what's something you want to say? What's mm. something you want to do? Or what's something you want to express? But you don't yet have the words for, and then that's start working question. on it. But I, that's I wrote it down. I was like, these yeah, are good questions to answer. Very good question. Um, because really and truly, death. Yeah. So I promise. I mean, life's not promised. Exactly. So you don't know when you're going to die. Yeah. And why you should also try to be the best person you can to people exactly because I could hurt you today and die tomorrow yeah and that's a problem though because do I want to go like do I want to part and pass knowing I've just hurt someone someone Basically, yeah. so. I think understanding the reality of the grave is what kind of gives me motivation to prepare for death because you're like you're going to be in that space for a very long time especially if you're someone that's claustrophobic like thinking about the fact that you're just going to be yeah. in that little like but then remember your grave can be expanded in yeah exactly so it's like why not start working working towards it. having some palace I think the, the, the important thing to do is to treat people in the best possible way mm. but also focus on your Self, not to be selfish but focus on yourself and yeah. the deeds that help you become a better person anything that just brings you closer to god anything that's your i don't know what's the word it's not harvest your savings like savings basically. yeah so, so that when you die you can spend that exactly, in exactly. Yeah. Yeah. so should we be afraid of death i don't think so because i feel like something's gonna happen anyway i mean i just don't want to yeah. die in pain for death Exactly. And basically, I just want to th- maybe die in my sleep when I'm praying, oh, you when people- I'm on Hajj. Oh, dude! I feel like but that's the thing. We also have that concept of like you died the way you live. You died doing the things you, that you love. That's why you want means, to make sure that you're doing this pleasing to God. You gotta start thinking about the things that you love. Because I remember Muslim men said it in some lecture that like, people say they want to die in Sujid, but how many times are you praying? Exactly. And it was, like, you can't just be doing lip so exactly. It's true. And there's a story of these two guys who um they must have been in a fatal um, accident, mm. right? And they were listening to some hip hop news, R and B, right? And they're Muslim, so you know how you have to say if you have the opportunity to say the shahada before you die, say it. Yeah. And the uncle of the boys were then like yeah. say like like uh, every time they open their mouth, they're singing. Because no one they say say shahada before you die. People, you think it's easy, right? Oh, you, you have always, to say it. Oh my god! But then they say what comes up your mouth is what your heart is used yeah. to. Yeah. So when the guy, when the uncle kept saying, "Please say say like like," they would start singing. Yeah. They would start singing. Do you know how heartbreaking it is? It would be devastating. Knowing that you can, you're, at least you're conscious. But you still can't. can't say. No. Yeah, so you got to be careful about the reason. That made time. me very... Mm. It really does. Like, it makes you think about deep questions. It did. Or does, anyway. Life. But yeah, that's it with this book. So, Pick it up. um... What are your what's your favourite quote as we close the show? Uh what makes life meaningful enough to go and live in? Literally I just felt that question was so profound. Yeah. I, that was my favourite Something question. Something to always ask yourself. Mine is that morning I made a decision. I would push myself to return to the OR. Why? Because I could, because that's who I was, because I would have to learn to live in a different way. Seeing death as an imposing, itinerant visitor, but knowing that even if I'm dying, until I actually die, I'm still living. I love that so much. It reminded me of a hadith. The Prophet said, like, even if, like, it's, um, the day of judgment is coming and you're planting a seed, Carry continue you planting it. Because it's so easy to just give up and be like, oh, it's things here. are happening anyway, mm-hmm. exactly. Like, why? But it's that thing of, like, until your last breath, 
keep living do it all because exactly. you do still have keep breath living there's hope keep while going. there's life there's hope in while it. there is life there is hope yeah i just love that it's like someone that knows that he's dying and he's like until i'm actually dead dead then i'm still gonna live because yeah. he actually lived until in, his know, last breath until and oh we didn't talk about their decision to have a child that was intense because I thought they, it could have swung either way and I would have completely understood like of course. the decision but not to have a baby. I love knowing that he, decided knowing that he was going to die. But I love that decision. I love that decided. I think his child is going to be, his daughter's going to be so lucky. Oh, he's going to, oh, that, the daughter is going to be. dedicated the book to so, her, man. Yeah. That's so cute. That child's going to. I feel like she's going to really say she would have a feel or a knowledge of her dad because obviously she was quite young when he passed. He was. And then at least he got to experience that feeling of being a father as well before he died. And I'm so happy they did it though. Same. Same. And it's also good for the mum, for his wife, because I feel like it gives her something to always remember him by. And it's not like she's not loving again. She is loving again. And that's why I feel like she understands the concept of love. Um, In the sense that it's... Maya Angelou said that. Oh my days. You know how many times I've heard that? I was listening to Lunch by Mum to Make yesterday and he was also saying parents make a big mistake thinking that this thing, this child that God has given them yeah. belongs to them, but it's just a it's trust and a manner exactly. from God to yeah. you. You don't own your child, therefore, mm-hmm. you should allow them to do things sometimes yeah. in their own way because they don't belong to, to you. No one belongs to us. No one belongs to anyone. We said it's you, it all belongs to God, isn't it? It's yeah. God that, can give, that gives you life, you can take your life away from you. Well. Anyways, what's the latest book you're reading? I'm about to start reading Being More Human. No, it's not Being More Human, it's More Human, and it's a book about politics and how to make it. More Politics, I know. I love. My I think I, I'm actually thinking maybe I should start reading some politics books. I don't know. One day. One day. Yeah, it, has <laughs> it has to be something really good. Though. Maybe recommend like a really good book for me because I like reading things that I'm not very interested in, but it has to be really good. Yeah. Basically, it's quite fascinating. I don't want it to be something I'll read that'll put me off. Yeah. No, actually, this is quite good. Okay. Because about how do you like, like create about being more human? Yeah. Because that reminds me of empathy. Exactly. And I'm very, I'm big on empathy. Exactly. Like, that's one thing I want my research to be on empathy. Definitely. So. Yeah, what are you reading? Small Island by Andrea Levy. So I've been wanting to buy that book for a while. Yeah. And I went to a charity shop on Wednesday mm-hmm. and I just saw it there and it's one pound fifty and I said, Oh not? literally that's, I love charity shops for that yeah. reason. And that's, it's better. Can you not see how beautiful the book it, looks? Yeah. I Even though it was exactly so I bought it. I love games They have some good books, but then it depends on the charity shop you go That's to. That's true. Some of them I only have like chiclets. But then again, yeah. when I was in Oxford, I bought my um, The God of Small Things uh-huh. from a charity shop oh. as well. And it looked really pristine. Yeah. And it is still fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh-huh. So, yeah, yeah. I'm loving it. That's good. And it's for good calls in it, so why not? course and yes, that's it for that today that ends the show thank you for joining us on today's, today's episode um yeah we hope you've gained benefit from this discussion definitely you can find you the book for me on my com. my yes. is working on it <laughs> actually it'll be on by the time this episode is out yeah, I'm sure it will be. Though. I'm trusting you. Um, email Good us job. your thoughts at conversationspod at gmail.com and let us know what books you want us to check out. Till Til next time, time. remember out, to read. You need to stop doing it. Okay, remember to read. It's reading is important, actually. I agree yeah, with you. Remember, remember to read. To read. All right, bye guys. Bye.